Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Albion Obsessed podcast. Have you all caught your breath? Because I certainly haven't. I've been buzzing all day and I'm going to be buzzing for a long time, probably until Thursday. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. Let's see who we've got on the podcast today. Uh, Dagan, how are you, my friend? Uh, I'm, I'm still doing well, Joe. I'm still doing well. Yesterday, I found the, the weekend is is now often rising and falling with the Albion. And so flying high at the moment. Let's hope that our Thursday is also flying high as well. Sony, fresh from the American Express Community Stadium, after a wonderful win. You have to come every single time now, just so you know. Um, how are you doing? All good? Yeah, no, I'm doing great. Hungry, but, you know, all good in the hood. Um, hey, we all love chips. So, That's fine. Yeah, I mean, yesterday was crazy, but we'll talk more about that later. We sure will, and we are also joined. Dan, I don't think you've been on for a while, but you're back. Hello, how are you? Hello. No, I don't think I've been on for a while. That's no. not like how I normally am, but there we go. But yeah, I'm all good. Fresh from that old adventure we had yesterday. So, and uh, I was a bit, uh, what's the word, a bit hungover this morning. But yeah, what, what do you expect to do after a nice win like that? So, yeah, we'll good, take otherwise. it down. We'll take it. We love it. Right. Okay. So let's just get straight into it um, and talk about the starting 11, guys, because there were a few question marks around the rotation of the side. Um, and particularly before the game, the, the, the an- uh, announcement for the squad hadn't even been made yet, Dagan. Um, and it was revealed by, I believe um, it was Andy Naylor said that uh, Gilmore was going to start. Um, and people were already writing the game off. Um, and then when the starting lineup came out, Undav was named in the uh, starting 11. Uh, and again, written off um what do you make of what, what did you make of the starting 11 first of all seeing the, the amount of rotation and the responses to fans gave so my initial thought was maybe the changes were a game too late i thought maybe more suitable for the forest game than this game wolves had been in pretty good form winning three of their last four uh decisive um clean sheets in those games i think it was chelsea brentford and the third escapes me but um quality opponents um insofar as you can say Chelsea's a quality opponent these days. Uh, subtle, not so subtle, Barb. Um, but but looking at, at the lineup, I was excited to see Gilmore again, right? I mean, Deservey's done a great job with guys who are hungry and waiting for their opportunity, and to a man, guys have generally stepped up and performed well. Um, Undav has had some low moments, but some of those I feel like he's just been really unlucky. And, uh, you know, as we saw, his fortune kind of turned. The, the decision I was most happy to see was Webster back in the lineup. I thought Colwell is immensely talented, but to me, I think he looks a little too just relaxed and often switched off or overestimates his ability to recover when he gets in trouble. Um, and I thought that really cost us in the forest game on a couple of different occasions um, where he just put himself in a bad spot and, uh, and then put someone else in a bad spot subsequently. And so I was happy to see Webster back in the lineup. because I think he's just more solid, more experienced. And uh, I think that paid dividends. And we looked a lot more buttoned up on the defensive side. So, Happy days. I, w- I wasn't terrified. I was a little I was a little scared, but not terrified. Love it. Love it. Um, now, Sony, we spoke um, before the game. Um, I think it was actually after Wembley about what goalkeeper was going to keep their spot. Uh, Jason Steele was in, in the net for Forrest and kept his space uh, for Wolves. Um, overly surprised or, or just is it just business as usual? 
I would say business as usual. Um, I'm really happy to see Jason Steele back at it again, especially because he was out for a little bit. Um, not not to say that anything's wrong with Robert Sanchez. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like because Deserby was like, this is the guy that knows how to play with my style better. I want him in there. And we can clearly see the two different styles at play, like hands down. Um, so I was really excited to see Steele. And he did a kick-ass job yesterday. Um, just being able to sit there and just watch him just kind of do his goalie thing is like crazy. Um, so hats off to him. He definitely killed it out there. Yeah, um, I think it's always really important for a goalkeeper if they don't have much to do, that when they are called upon, they give a really professional performance. And there was a moment where uh, I think we were 2 nil up and, and Wolves had the chance to, to bring it back. Uh, and he made a really solid save and there was a couple of solid saves in there. So, uh, yeah, really good point on that one. Um, Dan, I've I've just had a sort of uh, brainwave a little bit um, about uh, Dennis Undav. Um, so against United, when he came on, uh, I think it's fair to say and it's fair to give criticism where criticism is due and praise where praise is due. And I thought Undav wasn't overly um, impressive at Wembley. Uh, but there was a pivotal moment for me when he stepped up to take the penalty. Um, in the shootout, a lot of groans, a lot of oh no's. Um, we he's he's going to be the one to miss. Um, but he tucked his penalty away with a plump, and um, there there were then no doubts in my mind that the boy does know where the net is, um, and the confidence within him after netting that penalty w- would only grow. Do you think I'm looking into that a little bit too much? As that being a turning point for Dennis Undav? Um, or or am I just sort of riding off the fact that yeah he he was in the right place at the right time to get two goals yesterday? What what what's your outlook on that? So obviously he does seem like a sort of player that's a confidence player, but obviously we've seen quite a few of them in the past. As you can say, we say with more play when we had him, um, it, it probably gave him a lot of confidence. Maybe to score at Wembley because they say this say he did put the ball in the back of the net at Wembley. Um, then to come into the starting lineup as because I think we were all talking about on the group chat like what what is the formation? I thought it was four four two. Or I don't know. I wasn't quite sure. Um, but I think he needs a bit. Obviously, a lot more time to sort of do what he needs to do because I think a lot of times he's still coming on late in games, whereas it's either to get us ahead or keep us going or protect a lead or whatever. Um, it's, it's a guy only obviously in a, in a league where not the same quality as ours, but obviously he still scored a hell of a lot of goals. He knows where the, the, the where the net is to score. It's just obviously playing in the league that he's in. And obviously, if he's not playing a lot, which in my own head, I'm thinking he's probably hasn't played as much as he probably would like to have done. Especially with obviously Ferguson, obviously skipping ahead of him now. Um, obviously, Welbeck doing what he needs to do. Um, probably he's finding his opportunity a bit a bit more um, scarce now. But obviously, mm-hmm. he's obviously now having the chance. I'd like to see him play in the next game because obviously I think he deserves it. Because obviously, the way he, he did play fairly well, obviously they were poor anyway. But they played very play well. But, but yeah, I do think that you know, the, the, he probably just needs a bit of confidence. And obviously we saw what confidence can do for you in this game today. Uh, well, Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I think uh, that you should always stand by the fact that if a striker is is scoring goals, um, then they, they have to start the next game and, and work on that momentum. Uh, my next question was going to be, Dagan, there's no Evan Ferguson. Um, I don't know if the injury is worse than what we think it is um, or whether he's waiting to be unleashed on Manchester United. Um he wasn't on the bench, though. So that, for me, says that he'll be on the bench against United. Um, what, when do you think we'll see Evan Ferguson? And do you think Ferguson's thinking he's get, got injured at the worst possible time with Danny Welbeck scoring a brace and Undav scoring a brace? Well, I don't, I don't think his position as our preeminent striker is in any jeopardy. As a result of those performances, he's, he's been class throughout. And so, yeah, I think he's, he's clearly the number one. Whether, you know, given he's coming off an injury, whether that means he's our number one that's coming off the bench against Man U, that, that's fine. Um, and I think he's comfortable in that role, though. He's looked so good at the start of games. Um, what, I, what I took note of, and, and I thought this was a little bit reminiscent of how we often use Ferguson, both Undav and Welbeck took turns dropping, uh, you know, sort of deeper back in almost into the midfield uh, when we were in possession. And so, you know, it was almost both playing in this, you know, I guess we had two strikers, but really we almost had no strikers. Um, and then, you know, we, we really used in CISO making runs on the outside when those two would drop in. And I thought it was really effective because we, you know, didn't have sort of the immense presence of Caicedo and McAllister occupying that dual pivot role. So instead we, we brought the two strikers up and created, you know, numerical advantages in the midfield that seemed really successful. And then CISO just took advantage on the flank. Yeah, that's some really good points there, Dagan, um, because you always worry with two physical strikers in Indav and uh, Welbeck that, you know, we're, we're never, are we going to find that balance? Curtis, where did you come from? The the stars, the ether, if you will. Well, we're happy to have you here. How are you, mate? I'm, I'm grand. Yeah, yeah, really, really good. Um, still feeling very, very positive after yesterday. Um, can't believe that happened. And I wasn't there. <laughs> He wasn't. What, what is that? Um, but yeah, just more of that, please. More of that. We love that. We're just talking about the start in 11, Curtis, and, and talking about the... Dagan made a really good point about the effect of Danny Welbeck and Dennis Undav having sort of pivoting roles in the uh, sort of striking options with Welbeck dropping deep or Undav dropping deep and then CISO getting the benefits of making runs off of those um, interchanges. Um, so... First of all, would you would you happy to see Dennis Undav given his chance? I know that you've been a, a, a huge uh, sort of admirer of Dennis Undav and, and wanting him to do well. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think I, I along with everybody else, when we saw the initial lineup, we were like, well, what is this amalgamation of weirdness, you know? Um, but, you know, I was so happy to see Undav get his start. I thought... If he was going to prove himself, it would have been in that game. I thought, you know, this could be one of his last big opportunities to really show us what he's made of. And, and I believe he did that. Um, and I, you know, I agree um, about the Welbeck Undav combination. I think they work so incredibly well together. I mean, like that first goal, that back pass was outstanding. How clever that was uh, from him to do that. Um but yeah, I, I think we're going to start maybe start seeing a little bit more rotation now in these last few games of the season because, um, really, I would I want to see Gilmore start in the next game, maybe even over Mac. 
Um, and I love McAllister, but I think he's been sort of off the boil a little bit in the past few games. Uh, no offense to him, I think he could do with maybe a sitting out a game or something. So yeah. yeah, no, completely see where you're coming from with that, mate. And uh, with regards to your comment on the the Welbeck flick onto Dennis and Dav, uh, it's just striker's instinct, isn't it? And it was sort of was like they both had the same mind in that. Uh, in that moment and you see that so many times with striking partnerships through the years uh louis suarez daniel sturridge uh i, I could think of some more but I, I can't off the top of my head but they got that uh, knowledge of where each other are um and to be honest maybe that could be a partnership going forward i know a lot of welbeck and undav haters will be going oh no i never want to see him play for my club again but here's danny welbeck scoring another brace um oh, and... he scored two it's not good enough i know Get him out. Get him out. Um, but, guys, look, we've got six goals to talk about. Um, so let's rattle through these, not as quickly as we can, because we, we want to talk about the absolute quality that was on show yesterday. Um, Dan, let's start with the first goal, which Curtis has already spoken about a little bit. Um, Dennis Undav gets on the end of... Uh, well, but did I say Danny Undav? Dennis Undav gets on the end of Danny Welbeck's flick um, and, and puts the ball in the net. There's a lengthy VAR check for some absolutely bizarre reason when he's like this much on side for the audio listeners. That's the, the width of my head. Um, and yeah, what what's that lengthy VAR check for, Dan? I don't understand. I don't understand either because they were really sure waiting to see what was happening. Because obviously, I when, it, when he scored it, I didn't really celebrate because obviously I thought something else was going to happen. So obviously, everyone shouted around me. I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, something happened." I wasn't sure, but then like there was obviously didn't didn't just stand in there. Obviously, Dennis and the referee basically staring at each other like that. Like I was like, "Oh, it's obviously something's been something's happened." Then then when it come up on the screen, I looked back. I was like, "He from the screen, he looked off. Looked onside, way onside." And I watched it this morning, and I was like, "Why does that take so long?" That he's well on side. I don't understand why. Why they just they look at it and go, "We need to put the lines up." And it's like, why look at that in more in depth? You can see with your your own eyes that it's on side. So yeah. why do you need to bring the lines out? But I don't know. They're, they're wasting time. Probably. And Sony, you've probably heard us moaning about VAR all season. Um, and now that was your first ever goal that you witnessed in, in a uh, English football stadium. Um, probably not the, the best one to, in, in terms of the finish, it was beautiful. But in terms of what happened afterwards, you probably didn't get the quintessential British celebration of seeing a goal because again, VAR decide when you when you're allowed to celebrate um but how good was that feeling seeing that ball go in the back of the net uh very good um i almost missed it too because i was just like paying attention to everybody running around and because i was so low to the ground i couldn't really see it perfectly but i could see like the ball just kind of like go in there and everyone's like "Ooh, yay maybe and then they're like bar check and then you could just hear the booze just the boo starts streaming out and I'm over here going, boo, I hate this. This sucks. Um, because I honestly thought it went in perfectly fine. I didn't see any issue on my end, but then again, I didn't have really good vantage point to say, oh yeah, no, this was definitely wrong. Um, but it was way too long for what it was. I thought it was dumb. That should have been an instant, like 30 seconds. Here you go. You're all done. But yeah. Yeah. But I guess the positive is you got to celebrate your first goal 
twice. I did. And so that is the pros of VAR, is that you're allowed to celebrate I'm honestly goals twice. Jealous. I'm honestly jealous because my first game we lost. So, Sony, you have to come to every game from now on. It's just what has to happen. Yeah, we're, we're, been, we've got... Sorry, like, I've been told that, like, we need to crowdsource money. Like, I need a job. So if anybody has a job for me, like, I'm totally down to do it. Um <laughs> But like, yeah, I, I'm totally down with being a lucky charm and like going to every game for the rest of the season. Just give me money. That's it. Yeah, we've got a crowdfunder in the description, guys. Go and give all of your earnings to Sony because we need her at the Amex, basically. Um, but Dagan, let's talk about a goal that VAR could not even think about chalking off because I believe it's a, a loose pass that we pounced on in the midfield um, and CISO is sent away down uh, the left-hand side. Um, and normally when he does that, you're thinking he's going to have, have a shot. He's going to find a way through to goal. But he puts it on a plate for Pascal and he finishes with absolute aplomb. And what a finish as well. Talk us through that goal, Dagan. Well, so the, the transition started, if I remember correctly, the ball ended up in the midfield with Gilmore. And he, there were three or four times in the game where I thought we didn't lead in CISO well with that sort of first pass. And that one was just put, hit him dead in stride. And I thought that's what really put the defense in a predicament because they had to try to adjust so quickly. And then Undav perfectly drifted into the to the left and pulled the center back, the remaining center back with him. And then, but, pe- but people won't talk about that, Dagan, because yeah. it's Undav, by the way. Intelligent movement. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm new to this, right? But I, starting to see the field and what happens. And it was just so clear that that movement, had he stayed where he was, one, he was physically in the way of the pass. And two, the center back could effectively guard, you know, cover both him and uh, Gross coming down the wing. And so when he made that move through, the center back had to go with him and trust that a teammate was going to come back on the, on the weak side, but no one was there. And Pascal Gross was there and, you know, just a beautiful left footed finish. Um, Though his second best finish of the day. Exactly. Um, we'll, we'll come to that in just a moment because, uh, like, at the end of the show, we're, we're going to talk about man of the match um, or player of the match, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, and there's so many to pick from. Like, unbelievable amounts to pick from. Again, Dan, in CISO is involved with the third um, and finds Gross again. Um, and it's a beautiful breakdown down the left-hand side. And, and Gross flicks it up and... I, I'm I'm watching from behind and you guys must have been right in line with it, sort of from where you were. And the ball was just destined for that far corner. Um, and we'll talk about what that goal means um, for, for Pascal Gross uh, in a minute. But Dan, how good to see Pascal Gross back in the goals. Brilliant, because he's literally, I, I, as, as, if, as if you put on Twitter, um, Joe, like absolute legend. He's a, he's a club legend. Don't care what everyone says. He is def- he's definitely up there with one of our best ever signings we've ever made. You know, he's he's just the best one of the best players in his day. You know, he might not be the fastest sometimes, but his brain, it's there. It's there, you know. Um, yeah, our view my view of it was literally pretty much straight on. Literally, sort of with the way he hit it, literally, to see it go straight into that net, I was like, Oh, nice. That was it. Literally, like couldn't, couldn't be a better goal, you know. I think out of the lot, obviously, that's probably the best one, I would, probably would say. 
Yeah, I mean that, that Curtis, they're both amazing finishes, right? So that first one from from Inciso's past, as I said, puts on a plate for him, and it's into that far corner, so far away from Jose Sar, he could only dream of saving it. Um, and the second one is just like if Ke- what 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 would happen, Curtis, in the media if Kevin De Bruyne or Erling Haaland scores that goal? It'd be it would be everywhere. News, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just one of those goals. I, I needed a, I needed a cold bath after I saw that goal. It was outstanding. Uh, like I've never. That might be my goal of the season so far. Like I mean, I I know the Enciso goal at Chelsea was outstanding too. But just how how much control he had over all of that? It was outstanding. Outstanding. Can't say anything better than that. I mean, just proves my point that he's just a consummate professional and he's. He's just the the engine of the team, you know what I mean? Everything yeah. goes through him. Oh, he's just wonderful. I love that man. I can't say any more words about how much I love yeah. him. So. Exactly. Let's talk about what that means uh, for him, Sony. He is now two goals away from becoming Brighton and Hove Albion's all-time Premier League goal scorer. Um, it's both Neil Morpé and Glenn Murray who hold that record. Uh, now, I understand, obviously, you started supporting us this season, um, but that's some record to beat. And I know it's only sort of 20, I think it's 26 goals, is it, Dan? Um, so he'll need 27 to, to match it, uh, sorry, to, to beat it. Is Pascal Gross, are, are we are we fair to call Pascal Gross a Brighton legend? Absolutely. Why would you not call him a legend? Like, the fact that he's scoring goals and that he's really close to hitting this record should tell you everything that you need to know. I don't think that should be in doubt at all. And maybe some people are like, well, I feel like other people deserve it. No. I mean, if you're scoring goals for the team, that, that, that just gives legend status. Like that's it. End of discussion. Yeah, exactly that. You're just absolutely spot on there, Sony. Um, we're going to carry on the Pascal Gross loving because he is so close to becoming our, our top Premier League goal scorer, Dagan. Um, Pascal Gross was our first ever Premier League signing for three million pounds uh, from a German team whose names escape completely escapes me. Dan, who was it? He'll know. I, I think it's pronounced Inderskat or something like that. Yeah, yeah, in, in, in Ingolstadt, I think. Um, so three million pounds. We announced him literally a few few weeks after we got promoted to the Premier League. Um, and he scored our first ever Premier League goal. Um, as I say, he's on the brink of a record. He continues to Im- impress under uh, Graham Potter, Chris Hewton, now Roberto De Zerbi. I mean, what more does the guy have to do to... Um, I-, I think he's got the respect of most people now, uh, but there's probably still a few doubters that call him too slow. But that first yard of pace is all in the mind, as Dan said. Um how much do you love watching Pascal Gross play for Brighton? So, again, I think I cited John Wooden last time I was on the pod, but one of his seven suggestions for succeeding, or eight, excuse me, eight suggestions for succeeding. Uh, be quick, but don't hurry. And that's, to me, that's gross, right? He he executes his movements quickly. He never seems in a hurry. That was totally in play on that goal. That first touch, just to pop the ball up in the air, and then just to wait. And strike it. I mean, look like a kid at the playground, right? Just, oh, yeah, this is, this is a move I can pull off when no one's looking. But to do it, you know, in this moment, uh, to match the all-time goals record is, <laughs> is perhaps legendary, maybe. I don't know. That's 
Yeah, so I think he's one goal away from matching it. So hopefully he oh, can okay. do that against United. I mean, another brace. Imagine that, Curtis. Another brace Ooh. against United. I, yeah, so he listen, scored the brace. Listen, we know. We know he loves scoring at United. Absolutely. Like, it, it's what he does. It's it's in his DNA, seemingly. Um, so we just have to just have to see. But I I'm confident that he can that he can he can smash that record. Um, I'm so incredibly like happy for him because as you say there's a lot of naysayers um people within our very own team were naysayers as well if i remember correctly um so yeah i'm just happy to see him prove them wrong dagan if you're trying to guess who that was aaron we're looking at you but i i i think i think that's that's long gone now so yeah big respect aaron we love you um We've still got three goals to talk about, guys. Um, now, I don't normally like talking about how poor the other team were because I think that discredits us and how good we are as a footballing side. But, they, uh, Sony, Wolves fell apart, didn't they? They just looked sixes and sevens, and it's just, it, it was a playground. As Dagan said, it was just a playground for Brighton. Yeah, I don't know what happened to the Wolves. I was really expecting them to put up more of a fight. They didn't look like they were motivated after the second goal they basically were like okay we're done it's over and then of course we hit six i was hoping for a seventh i was like all right let's hit seven like let's let's get a seven obviously we didn't get a seven but they were just demotivated they were very like out of place they felt it looked like they were out of their scope basically um and i hate teams that are out of their scope because like you know that they can do better like wolves easily could have like put us down just like forest did right i don't think they were ready to handle that and they could have also been in the same boat where we are where they also just got too tired so it could have been a number of things it could have been like the you know the rotation isn't rotating it could have been like a mental thing we don't know um but that was a massacre <laughs> that was a massacre on the field really it really was. And and Dan, the football we were playing, we were just passing through him with these. It was like a hot knife through butter. And um, it was chance after chance after chance. Danny Welbeck had a few that he probably should have done better with. Um, his his goal finally came after a fine cross from Purvis to Stupin Yan. And it's trademark Welbeck at the back post, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, it's good to see that he's... Uh... You know, getting himself back in there again. Another player that obviously gets a lot of criticism, which I don't know why. The guy played for played for his country, scored goals for his country, played at the top level. You know, but people would just be like, no, oh, you know. But yeah, it was good to see to see him doing what he needs to do again. Because obviously, we a lot of people were sort of not really um, uh, hopeful with him. Being the way he is, and uh, uh, he obviously scored all the goals, and now he's not relying on Welbeck and then have to do what they need to do. But yeah, it's, it's excellent to see it, and uh, glad he got two, obviously, which we'll talk about now. Definitely. Um, so, Curtis, 4 0 up at half time. Now, you know how Brighton fans are, you know how I, I can be when I'm, you know, Mr. Negative Joe. I try to be positive, as as you guys may know, if you listen to the podcast. Um, but even at 4-0, Curtis, and Sony and Dan will vouch for this, I was sat there talking to them at halftime thinking, is it right for me to be nervous at 4-0 up at halftime? 
I was actually still nervous. Curtis, tell me I'm wrong. Um, to be honest, it, it, I, because I said I was sort of dipping in and out of the game because um, my brother was watching a Reading game because they're sort of flirting with relegation in the championship at the moment and he's a big fan of theirs. Um, so uh, I was sort of like quietly celebrating because they were like losing at the time. So I was like, yes, yes. Um, but when I saw the 4-0 scoreline, I was like, what? How's this occurred? Yeah. Um, and I too was a bit like, okay, okay. I was like, let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. This could easily go wrong. But I thought if we stick to the ideals that we have set in place, if we listen to Roberto and um, keep playing as well as we have, I, d- I didn't think we would lose from that point. I just thought there's maybe a chance that they could get a goal or two goals or whatever. But I thought we would go on and win. But I didn't think we would score like however many minutes into the second half it was. I can't, I can't remember, like five or so, five or six minutes in or something Yeah, so like Daniel Welbeck's second goal, uh, which Dan pointed out, was three minutes after the restart. Um, and now, Dagan, your your uh, um, reaction to me saying I was nervous at 4-0 was a, was a sight to behold. I absolutely loved it. Um, now, Danny Welbeck very quickly diminished that after scoring the fifth uh, because... For me, I'm thinking, right, this is the Premier League. We've seen some absolute classic games where teams have been 4-0 down um, and it's come back to 4 all or even 5-4 and uh, like classic vintage Premier League. I think there was one between Arsenal and Newcastle where it was like ridiculous. Um, there was even one today. I think Spurs came back from 3-0 down. Um, so, <sighs> yeah, I, I I don't know how I was feeling at halftime. But as I say, Welbeck completely squashed it within three minutes um and what a strike as well people often question danny welbeck's finishing ability but emphatic right indeed um that was the one that was the one goal that felt like a gift uh the ball sort of just popped around fell in his lap and he finished um not an easy finish by any means but it was you know the the one that was the least a result of us doing something positive and sort of just the ball popped around I think we tried to make a pass into the box. It got knocked knocked away and fell to Welbeck, and he was decisive, which, again, I've made this point. He is so much more decisive and finishes so much better when we already have a lead. Um, it's, it's just been all year that it seemed to be the case. Um, but he was the man spot, and he responded. And I will say, I thought the two goals were some of the least impressive things that Welbeck did on the field, though. I thought... He was just terrific. Um, find like the spaces he found to receive passes and then sort of holding the ball to the op, you know, sort of optimal moment before giving it up. Um, sort of all of his work in the build up play today, I thought was really, really fantastic. Um, and he was getting stuck in as a defender a little bit too, helping to win the ball back. I just thought, I thought he had an excellent all around game today. Uh, and yeah. deserved a lot of plaudits. And I, I'll say, I the man of the match question that I will come to later. I went back and watched the game and he wasn't necessarily one of the guys I was considering most, but he then entered into that conversation as I watched the game a second time. That's amazing stuff because um, a few uh, months ago, he was going through a a little bit of a dry spell in terms of um, goal scoring. Um, And my defense um, towards him was the fact that he worked so hard for the team. He's always holding the ball up really well. Um, And he worked as that focal point in attack, which we were screaming out for at times last season. Um, and he, he he does that role so well. And people often um, sort of take the mick out of you when when you 
look away from the goal scoring stat and, and look at other things they're doing because they say, oh, well, he's a striker. He should be scoring goals. Um, but if he's working so well in that front line and, and bringing other people into play, um, like a point I made after the, the United game at, at Wembley was we weren't finding Danny Welbeck. We weren't getting him into the game. Therefore, the other players weren't being pulled into the game. I feel like that's what Danny Welbeck does so well is he literally grabs people by the scruff of the neck and pulls them into the game and does that work so well with an Undav, works so well with Solly yesterday and Julio and CISO, who has improved so much, by the way, in such a short amount of time. It's actually mind-blowing. And I think we could see such an unbelievable player in Julio and CISO. And Curtis, you wonder what what would have come of uh, Julio and CISO under Graham Potter? Would he have given him that chance? Is that me saying... Like, am I am I wrong to say that, or should we just focus on the fact that what Roberto De Zerbi is doing now for this team? It's interesting to think about. Of course, I mean, I feel like he would have got his uh, cup cameos and things like that, but I don't think he would have played uh, as big of a part as he has. I mean, like like you say, every time we see him, he seems to be you know growing and growing into this very all-rounded player you know he, he's just fantastic and he's so young it makes me feel ancient um so the sky's the limit for him again i feel like i say this a lot about our youth you know um but uh, i love the guy he seems to have a really great attitude seems like he wants to contribute um because i remember when he first came in and we first started to see sort of flashes of him he had sort of a um um he seemed a bit selfish sometimes with, you know, he would always just take long pot shots and things like that. And now he's much more of a team player. And that's really, really good to see from him that he's grown and adjusted to, to what Deserby wants from him. So I think the pivotal moment for them, for then Curtis is actually the Chelsea goal because he scores that absolute screamer and, and, and wins us the game in that fashion. But after the game, Roberto Deserby saying, I'm not happy. I'm not happy with him. After he scored the goal, he, he was, he was, he didn't say he was terrible, but he just really wasn't happy with his performance. And if if you've got Roberto De Zerbi dreading that into you, um, you you're going to listen, aren't you? Because, you know, you, you wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of Roberto De Zerbi. Um, but let's stay on the positivity, Dan, because the Albion pressure did not let up whatsoever. Chance after chance. I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. Chance after chance after chance. Is this the best football you've ever seen a Brighton team play? It has to be up there because literally we'll just it was just like was it this what's the old saying they say um it's men against boys out there and literally just you can see and just they'll we'll just go past them and they weren't really doing a lot with it and they just couldn't handle us and this is basically how deserve wants to play the the team play every game obviously a lot of other teams probably would would probably put up more of a fight, but as they didn't for some odd reason, no one they really noticed. Maybe because if they given up, because obviously they're not really fighting for anything now, or they could they could be just just be like, well, we've got a month to do nothing. We're not going to get relegated. We're not going to get to Europe. We're just gonna play until the season finishes and we're going on holiday. Maybe maybe that's what they thought they got already, but yeah. it would be a shame if they did because that's awful mindset. If, if if one of our players had that mindset, I'm sure Deserbi would have smacked him around the head. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I saw Roberto Deserbi and uh, Lopetegui deep in conversation before the game. So I, I wonder if 
they share sort of manager notes. It could, they look really friendly. Probably the most friendly I've seen Roberto Deserbi be towards an oppo- opposing manager. You know what so. I reckon it was? I reckon they were shaking hands. It was like, I'm going to take you down to just prepare. <laughs> okay. I thought it was like a really friendly face, but it was like, get ready for this. <laughs> very, very likely. Um, now, as I said, Sony, the, the pressure was on Wolves and we, we dismantled them. We took them apart in, in God knows how many ways, left and right, through the centre, it, it, it just wasn't letting up whatsoever. Now that pressure paid off because Matoma was hounding, and I pardon the pun, he was hounding the Wolves back line um, and made a complete and utter hash of it. And Undav was the coolest man in the stadium to just dink that ball over uh, Jose Sarr. I mean, that that's right where you were. Um, if people uh, have seen the, well, we haven't released it yet, but there's a little video we've done uh, with you at half time, um, and we showed where you were sat, and you're literally right behind the goal. As that ball pops through, you just thinking, "I'm so happy I'm here! Like I'm so happy I get to see that goal right there." Yeah, I mean, I I almost cried. Not gonna lie, because um, when I first started watching this team, I was like, I really just want to be there and experience it, and. When I woke up at four in the morning to buy this ticket to see the Wolves, I'm like, I want the most authentic experience I could ever have. And so for me to just sit there and watch a goal like be made right in front of my face was like life goal achieved. Um, That was cool. That was spectacularly cool. Um, You know, nice, smooth finish. Definitely was a fight. But hey, we made one. We got one. It's it, it was in there, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Dagan, I don't know if I'm speculating here, but as Dennis Undav was going back uh, to the halfway line after celebrating, there was I think there was a little bit of a stoppage somewhere, whether it was a Wolves player down injured or one of our players down injured. Um, now, the whole of the North stand was singing, hey, Dennis Undav, I want to know how you scored that goal, right? And he was just stood there on the halfway line watching the North stand, taking it all in, and there were a few moments where he was going like this. Now, I don't know if it was a hot day and he was sweating or whether there were genuine tears. We, we know that Dennis Undav is an emotional guy. I, I believe there was a little bit of emotion when he scored against Grimsby um, at the Amex, uh, his first home goal, I believe. So how happy are you for, for a guy that we saw it on, on the Buzz's Bootroom quiz, how much of an amazing guy he is? and how professional he's been waiting for his chance. How happy are you that he's come under so many critics and come out uh, yesterday and scored two really good goals? Well, we've talked we've talked a lot about belief this year um, and what Deserby's done for these guys. And I think this is a case where, like, belief is important, belonging is important, um, and, you know, self-doubt is, is crippling. And I think Undav you know, for all the goals he scored and what the successes he's had prior to, to being with Brighton, he's really struggled. He's struggled with the ball under his feet. He's had some chances and he's not made the most of them. We've seen good things in the other parts of his game that you, as you say, often get, you know, unspoken about or unnoticed. Um, but yeah, you can't help but think a moment like that is, is recognizing, you know, maybe belief being restored, but sort of belonging being affirmed. Um, and not just in and among his teammates, but as part of the club and being embraced by the fans in a way that he hasn't probably felt up to this point. Um, and you know, and some would say he hasn't earned right up to this point. Uh, but, but I think, you know, 
I'm of the mindset you want all the players to feel at home and welcomed and like this is their place. And, uh, you know, I think you're more, you catch more flies with honey. Uh, I don't know if that expression is one that you guys use over there, but uh, I like it. <laughs> you know, if we, if we treat these guys uh, like we love them, um, we're probably more apt to get the best out of them. And Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what we see from him now. Yeah. That he's had that moment. Yeah. yeah I'm glad really, you, I'm really, glad really you said that. He's not blind to what uh, is going up on social media. He can hear what's being said about him, and I'm sure he can hear it at the ground or this negative stuff. And, you know, you're not going to want to play as well if you're being told that you're you're garbage, you know? Uh, and he clearly has a, uh, he had a really great uh, player in him, and we, we saw that, I think. And not only the goals, I think he had just a really impressive game. I saw a lot of really good facets of of the game from him you know like the way he held up the ball his passing and and um i just think he shut a lot of people up yesterday but there's still a lot of people being very very negative about it and like my advice to you is just shut up and enjoy things just yeah. please go out go out and touch some grass or something and, and just <clears throat> just just in, just just in celebrate this thing okay yeah. this is a big moment for him this is a big moment for us so just enjoy it the, no, the noise the noise don't be, the noise don't of, be sorry, mean to other people sorry don't don't be mean to your players like the players feed off of the energy if you don't give them enough energy they're not going to want to play for you they're going to want to leave like we we got to stop with this whole you know oh they're not doing great i'm just going to hate them completely because they're trash no don't write them off like the season's pretty long they could get better they could get worse you don't know that always support your players no matter what through no matter what that's what i say Absolutely. I mean, we've supported people like Leon Best, John O'Beaker, like absolute trash players, put on our shirt, and when they run onto the football pitch, for me, I don't care. I don't care who they are. If they've got a Brighton shirt on, I'm going to support them until they're not here anymore at the club anymore. Um, and for me, Curtis, the noise of the crowd doesn't lie. When Undav came off, there was the biggest applause ever. Um, we were singing his song for the whole game we were singing a song after the game in the lead, in the the queue for the park arrive we were singing the song and yeah it as i said the, the noise of the crowd does not lie and these these tiny little trolls on twitter that hide behind footballers names hide behind footballers uh profile pictures really need to think about because we live in a world of social media where where the players will read the negative stuff and there could be 500 amazing comments that one awful comment will stick in their mind Dan we've spoken about this so many times when does it stop where does it stop and how do you stop it what you pretty much need to do is obviously with Twitter and um, Instagram and all that they should be more responsible about what people are saying on their platforms because obviously you know you report stuff I've reported stuff in the past about different other stuff and and they'll come back to me and go, this, that's not good enough. I'll be like, why is it not good enough? He's basically saying this, that, and the other. I'm a phobic, racist, whatever, but it's not good enough. But why is it not good enough to, be, to have him removed? This person removed. And then, like, I will, like, um, was it, I was banned on Twitter once for, like, a day because I used monkey emojis in an unracist way. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. I used it in a context of of um, not even racism. No one, no person, one person wasn't targeted in my tweet. It was 
it was just the little tweet I made, and all of a sudden I got told, "Oh, the reason you got banned is because you probably use monkey emojis." I was like, "But I'm not using it in a racist way." The but amount of times that I've reported racism, like that I've seen about football players, and nothing ever happens, it's shocking. It's frankly shocking. And I agree, more needs to be done on, by the platforms here. Yeah, and I, I, I think we should also note that we are in no way re- relating the the hate that Undab or Welbeck are getting to racism, homophobia, or anything like that. It is, it's nowhere near that line because that's a line that's so far i think it's a, a, a quote on friends the line is so far away that the line is a dot to you um so i think that that line is so far away um and i think it's very important just for people to remember that these footballers are human beings they will read things they have feelings they will respond in a way where it's you know a human response dagan right what and not only will they read things their families will read things probably even more so than they do um and so i mean you're you're taking a toll on more people than just than just the player but i think the byproduct can can only be negative like uh, like as a as an adult person just think you know the byproduct of that there's just there's no way it's gonna have a positive effect um to sort of be slandered uh in in a public way um and you know hopefully you know, people shrug it off because they're like, who is this person, as you said, hiding behind, you know, a profile picture of, you know, some soccer player. Uh, we have to remember that, like, these are young, impressionable men. Like, they're still very young. They're still, like, 18, 19, 20, 21. Like, these guys are still trying to find their way through, like, the footballing world. You know, like, we're pulling them. We're putting them into the field where you know like we're cheering them on and stuff but if you keep putting like that negativity in their heads all they're going to keep thinking is negative and we have to remember that they're we are not their age you know like Mm. we're probably older than them and the stuff that we say could actually hurt them yeah absolutely and who who knew that being kind and supporting your players was a thing that us, our supporters, by the way, it's in the name, guys, supporters had to do. Um, I don't want to stay on the negativity though, too long. Go on, Kurt. Thing, you know, just one more thing, like, what people need to realise is it bleeds through to the whole team, you know, because if if that if that affects the ability of one individual, it's going to affect the whole team. Um, and so just you know just just think about what you're saying and what you're going to write and and i think we as fans as well we need to call these things out if we see slash hear it because um it's just going to make the whole experience a lot better but also we shouldn't have to call it out they shouldn't say it period but you get my point yeah um so basically be kind yeah. support the club through the best possible period we could be going through at, at this current moment of course it can get better it could get worse imagine these people if it was getting worse i don't want to be that guy oh, imagine them at the golden ground because you know I'm, I'm not i'm not that guy but you know it, it could be worse it could be much worse enjoy the club as it is now and hope that we get better and hope that we get to that european dream and support the players through this incredible time because i'm going to reel off some stats and these stats are about to blow your minds. So I believe this is Premier League stats. So uh, 50 goals, 50 Premier League goals in only 25 games under Roberto De Zerbi. The next stat is only Arsenal with 15 have had more goal scorers than the Albion, which is insane. 
Um, and we have the best XG. Now, I know a lot of people don't buy into the XG stats, but I, I find it fascinating. The best XG in the Premier League in 2023. Now, I pose a question to you all after reading those fascinating stats about this year. Is Europe back on? And was it ever off, Dagan? It was never off. Um, I think we were, you know, perilous, perilously close to seeing it slip away. Um, we needed a decisive win, and we got one. Um, projecting things out right now, we're, I think, on track for six. Liverpool looks like they might edge us out. In fact, that they, I think they're now two. Uh, two up in goal differential gives them an, an edge. The another positive is you know Villa and Tottenham have little to no chance at catching us on goal differential. So if we do end up tied on points, um, that's going to put us in a favorable light there. So no, I think it's very much, very much on, um, very much on. I love that. Love it. Um, Dan, um, was was Europe ever off, or, or were Brighton fans being? Uh, What's the word? Reactionary. And I, I, I'm going to call myself out here. I was guilty of it on, on uh, when was it? Wednesday. Uh, I was in the group chat having a meltdown, wasn't I, guys? Now I didn't, I didn't put that across on social media because, you know, I'm, I, I'm very conscious about what I put on there because I don't want to portray myself as someone that's absolutely losing my shit. But in in the group chat, I was, um, and I was sort of think I, I, I didn't, I didn't ever say it's done. It's completely finished. I, I was just thinking the importance of this Wolves game is huge. Um, Dan, what were your feelings? I know we're sort of going back a little bit, but what were your feelings like, sort of going into the game, thinking how big this is for our European chance? Well, it is a big chance because, you know, we need to be um, on a good form and basically be wanting, basically wanting to improve from Paul. Because obviously, you know, Wembley hurts. It hurt a lot. No, not just us, hurt all the players. You know, you saw them saw on their faces when they walked past the, the stand, basically. A lot of them didn't really want to be walking around congratulating, not congratulating, but clapping us for being there. Um, obviously, then for Forrest to come along so quickly, it was it was basically like, we need to focus back in, obviously. I think a lot of them probably were still hurting, obviously, where you can understand that, you know, they didn't want to play 30 extra minutes, they didn't want to play and then have the heartbreak of penalties and then to come to go focus on the next game is pretty difficult. And obviously then having that, you know, the way it went, to come into this game sort of for anybody, it, like basically, it basically felt like a must win for us to sort of keep things on track. Um, as, as, as it happened, obviously, yeah, we got the win, we got convincingly as well. I'm, that'll do wonders for everybody's confidence on the, in, in that dressing room. I'm sure they were ecstatic getting getting back in the, that dressing room. That they finally put us behind them, full of confidence to go into the next game to keep us on track. And as as you said with the question, for me, I would always say it's not over till it's over. It's, it's like when people will say about with Brighton relegation, they're going, "Oh, we're getting close to relegation." I was like, "But maybe if we got out of it." But so I always say it's not over until it's over. If it's over, we can be happy about it. No, that we got that we that we got there. We don't got there. I believe it'll go straight to the wire as well because Villa. Obviously, I don't. But they, they did lose today, didn't they? So it's going to go probably go straight down to the wire between probably us two, maybe. You know, 
which which would be a horrible way to go, a hit the way to go go to a Villa Park after what happened last time. We went to Villa Park. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about that. Don't no. go there, Dan. No, I'm not going to say anything. But that was, you know, we we just we just have to keep going, keep going, playing. Obviously, yeah. it, does, it does help. We have got those games in hands, but the thing is that against teams that are above us, which they isn't are. Great. But as Tom always says, he's got the confidence that we always play better against the teams that are above us or the teams that are better than us. That's in inverted commas for the audio listeners. Um, Curtis, Dan touched on it a little bit um, in his response to my question. Um, if you could ask for a perfect way to respond to Wembley and to respond to Nottingham Forest, I don't think you could have written a better response uh, at the Wolves game. Um, it was the perfect way, right? I think De Zerbi summed it up himself when he said that was my best match, uh, basically whilst at Brighton. Because I would arguably say that Nottingham was probably the worst De Zerbi game. Um, so to, to bounce back from you know from Wembley that and to, to do that, six of them, six, um, and it could have been seven. Gilmore nearly scored one, which would have been outstanding. It would have really just sealed off his perfect performance. But um, yeah, I mean. I, I was so so relieved. I you know, I mean because I've been a bit of um the Europe thing has been something that's sort of scared me a little bit. I remember at the, the beginning of the season, let me let me roll it back a bit. I was very like, Oh, I'm not sure about Europe, I'm not sure we have the depth. Um and because it's a genuine concern, you know. Um um but to see us still playing the way we are and hearing these like fantastic links with these exciting players, um and like it's it's really it's really it's just so cool, you know. <laughs> um yeah. I it still it still amazes me. And like the the question about if it's on or off, uh you can fully ask me this question at the end of the season. Um, but I'm confident, I'm I'm Mr. Confident on the pod, so I'm gonna say it was never off. Uh it's <laughs> in our hands. We can do it if we stick to the plan. I love it. You talk about being linked to all these really exciting players as well. One name that really caught my eye was was youngster from Liverpool, 37-year-old James Milner. Uh, now, I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. Uh, I don't know if he's you, won a few mean, titles in his time. You mean uh, Julio Milnero, right? <laughs> the young Ecuadorian... Julio Min Minero, yeah, yeah. From, from Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dan says in the chat Klopp spoke about us after the their game what did he say Dan do you know what he said so he, so he said that Brighton played one of the best football games this weekend I've ever seen in my life I have to say Roberto De Zerbi wow I mean that just sums it up Jürgen has summed up Brighton fans thoughts and this Roberto is, this is De Zerbi who, who, wow who pulled a hammy celebrating gotta love the man I mean, like, you can say what you want about Jurgen Klopp. Um, and when he plays us and when he's a little bit arrogant, then it does annoy me. But away from Brighton and watching him talk, I think he's probably one of the funniest guys in football. He has to be. I... Sorry, Dagan. You... I was just looking, just on the subject of, uh, you know, was it ever off? I was looking ahead at some of the lines for upcoming games. And we are, again, favoured to beat Man United. Uh, we are we are favored. Uh, and I look two weeks ahead to May 14th, we're playing away Arsenal. And the lines are almost identical. They're, they're a slightly bigger favorite to beat us than we are to beat Man U. 
but it's the lines are very very close um in terms of the the odds you're getting on a draw as well as the underdog win and the favorite win um the, well you heard it we're, here we're getting the respect yeah, 100%. And we're getting the respect that we've been calling out for for so long in the Premier League, especially when Graham Potter finally sort of got us ticking last season and we were playing some really good football. You have to give credit where credit credit's due. Um, and we were screaming for these pundits to be like, look at Brighton, look at Brighton, look how well we're doing with the recruitment, with the, the, the whole way the club was run from... Literally, they say like from the tea lady all the way up to Tony Bloom, just absolutely unreal. And, and finally, as you say, Dagan, we, we're getting that respect. Um, and it's just absolutely stunning. I absolutely love it. Joe, the other side of that coin is that just yesterday before the game, you know, pundits saying that Deserby doesn't want to take this team to Europe, acknowledges that we're not good enough. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know what a dreadful lineup. That could be the only possible explanation for why we that, played that, that lineup. was Paul Merson. Yeah, I don't know go. why I'm calling him out as if he's listening to this. He definitely, <laughs> he definitely listens to the album. Paul Obsessed Merson, podcast. get out of here, you sassy Sue! Come yeah. on, that was silly, wasn't it? That's a silly thing to say. As if he's saying, Deserby doesn't want to take this team to Europe. How could you manage a team and not want them to succeed? That is just friggin' mind-blowing in itself but we're going to get on back to the positivity because we won six nil it's absolutely insane sony you were there to experience your first game and we won six bloody nil unreal just just if you can in in a couple of minutes sum up your your amex experience yeah i mean i it's so hard to put it into words because you it's just one of those things that you have to be there for um you saw it dan saw it the other dan saw it like you guys just saw me like being mind blown for a majority of the time because i'm like wow this is actually real you know just the atmosphere was really amazing like everybody was like singing and cheering like there was never a moment where there were no like songs like there were no chants there was there was always something going on um and even if it didn't catch on to the entire north stand you'll hear like pockets of them just pop off left and right um whenever jason seal was coming back towards the goal everybody would just cheer him on they're like yeah you're doing a great job good job and he's like acknowledging it like yeah thanks i appreciate it you know like we're giving these guys motivation um same thing with mitoma like mitoma was there at one point and they were just like oh yeah good job good job bro like way to go um but yeah just yeah, it, it's it's mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing. Uh, the pie, by the way, the steak, the steak pie, oh, amazing. Piglet's pantry, shout out. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. You made this American very happy because I was hungry, and I didn't expect it to be that tasty. <laughs> there you go. Happy days. The Amex cuisine uh, has. Dagon, you next, my friend. Oh, I'm so envious. I, I am. I am sorry. It's very envious. Get, get yourself to the UK, buddy. <laughs> Be a there's, there's a line of pints waiting for you <laughs> as, as you come <laughs> into the puzzle. Sony, Sony, Sony will vouch for you. It wasn't there, Sony? There's a line of pints, about Dude, 800 pints. pints. Right. There's like <laughs> pints everywhere. Like I could not drink all of them at one point. Like first day I got here, pint. Up to like right now, I also had a pint. Like pint life is amazing. Wow. Hands down. 
So yeah, Dagan, get yourself to the UK as soon as possible. We will be happy, very, very happy to have it's you. It's a UK tradition, Sony. When you reach the age of 10, you're given one. When you get to 18, you're given It's just how it goes. And then there's me, who's never had a pint in my life. Am I really British? Who knows? Um, anyway, let's talk about the man of the match. <laughs> because there's so many to, to choose from. We've already hit an hour on the podcast. And so we'll, we'll, we'll try and rattle through this as quickly and, and as professionally as we can. Dagan, who's your man of the match? Ugh. It's it's nearly impossible not to just say the whole squad. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little little bit of history because I wanted to know uh, when was the last time the Wolves took a beating like this. Uh, and I look back in any game, they lost six nil in the League Cup on uh, September twenty second two thousand twelve to Chelsea, but in a top tier game, in a top tier game. The last time the Wolves lost 6-0 or worse was September 28th against Liverpool in 1968. So thank I, you very much, Brighton Hove Albion. So, so I mean, like for that reason, I I'm, there's no man of the match. Uh, maybe Roberto De Zerbi is man of the match for believing in that round of substitutes. Um but if I have to reduce it to a man, that's that's the man I would reduce it to. I I will accept that answer. I, I normally wouldn't accept the manager as the answer, but you made very good points there. Daniel, um, give us an actual player. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I, I always saw on Twitter people basically were having discussions about this, and a lot of people were saying one particular player. And I said the same. Billy Gilmore. Honestly, run the show. You know, came came in the steps, steps in the the, uh, the big boots of McAllister and Caicedo. Obviously, then 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 look out of place and basically look like that. We if we need to rest them, we rest them. And obviously, then Gilmore will come in, basically do a good do enough job, and maybe could argue better at the moment. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely gonna be a bit of Billy Gilmore for me. I like what you said there. He stepped into the shoes of Alexis McAllister and Moises Caicedo. So the boys doing two jobs because Pascal was given free reign, as he always is. As you already pointed out, Dagan, uh, Danny and Undav were, were dropping back as well. But for, for the most part, it was Billy Gilmore running that midfield by himself. And that he was running that midfield against Ruben Neves and a couple of others who I don't even care to name um so that that is no mean feat curtis um are you going to follow down with your man of the match or have you got someone else in mind uh again we're so lucky that we we have we're struggling to think about the man of the match because there's so many contenders here uh i could i, I could give it to gilmore absolutely i could give it to to welbeck who was impressive i could give it to undav who looked great i could give it to the cameraman for managing to to capture those wonderful goals in such a quick succession, those first three. Um, uh, I, 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 I want to also give that sensible answer of saying Deserby could potentially be the man of the match as well, just considering the just how he what, what he did to that team. I don't know what he did. I don't know if there's something in the water supply there at the Amex or something, but they played their hearts out. But if I had to just give it to one individual... Um, Gilmore, why not? Just purely because um, this is one of those 
situations where he had to really show up and he had to prove himself and he did that tenfold tenfold and i hope to definitely see more of him before the end of the season because he's earned it in my opinion so for me gilmore absolutely and what a humble guy i don't know if you saw the interview after the game what a great individual yeah i i love it when a player sticks by the team and is so professional waiting for his opportunity and then takes it and dan i know one of your favorite players alareza jahambash i always praise him for having that same attitude uh, because he he wasn't given as much game time as as he would have hoped or as the fans would have hoped, but he always spoke so highly of the football club for giving him the opportunity to play in the Premier League. And when he scored his first goal in the Premier League, he was rightly emotional and visibly emotional as well. And the fans connected to him in that way because he stayed so professional. Um, and you're right, Curtis. I, I I thought it was brilliant of Billy Gilmore to come out and say what he said and uh, to stick by this team and, and absolutely deserves his chance. Um, Sony, same question to you then. Who, who was your man of the match yesterday? I'm going to split it between three different people, which I know we're only supposed to pick one, but I'll pick three. First, Billy Gilmore, hands down. Um, definitely wanted to see more of him this year. I was afraid that he wasn't going to get his chance. When he was on the lineup, I was very happy about it because I'm like, oh, he's actually going to be like out there. We've seen him come off the bench a couple of times. We've never seen him like a full game, like full impact. And so to see him like full impact in the game, doing the passes, you know, doing the things that he's supposed to do and just balling out, good for him. Like, I'm really happy that he got that chance. Um, I will also give credit to two other Lesser, not lesser, but like people we haven't really seen as much as well. Uh, Facundo Buenuenote, so that's one. He um, he came on as a sub, but he was also like, I was actually paying attention to him and Ari. So I was paying attention to them both, just watching how they were moving, watch how they were passing. Um, they definitely have been, um, I guess, like they've definitely been working with Deserbi on like doing better. Uh, we've seen Ari try at least to make some goals. Like we definitely saw one almost yesterday. We saw one like another time that he came on for like the first time. Um, and then Bonuanote over there is just like killing it on the side. Um, I think that those two definitely should be on the field a bit more. So I'd like to see Ari again, play one complete game. Like, I think we just need to give that opportunity because again, coming, coming off the bench doesn't really give you the full scope. So I want to see Ari. I want to see more Buenonote and I definitely want to see more Gilmore. So those three. Yeah. I, I think there's definitely cause to, to be seeing Ayari and Buenonote in the future as well. I, I can't wait for these players to have a full preseason with us as well. I'm uh, sorry, Curtis, you're going to... No, 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 no. I was just going to say... Um... Because Gilmore said in his interview, like, you know, it's fine to be told how you want things to be played, but unless you're playing it, it's really hard to understand how to do it. So um, that's why it really impressed me that he had such a good game. And I and I agree, like the cameo from these other individuals like um, Bonanate and uh, Ari and, and Julio and Cesar, which I also meant to mention, but he was outstanding, of course. Um but yeah, unless they're getting the time, they're not going to really fully understand what he wants out there. So yeah, hopefully we get to see more of these uh, younger faces, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, and for, for mine and man of the match, I'm going to go with somebody that 
uh, nobody's mentioned yet. Uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier in the episode, uh, Pascal Gross, the the guy. If whenever when when he plays for us, which is pretty much all the time, I think his hard work and his intelligence goes unnoticed a lot. And it's always about is he fast enough to do this? Did he make that right pass? Has he had opportunities to score? And but I I saw a a graphic of what positions he's played for Brighton, and I, I know this doesn't necessarily sort of go towards whether he gets my man man of the match vote for the whole time he's played for Brighton, because that's not why I'm basing it off. But he's pretty much played every position, bar left back, centre back and goalkeeper, um, which is mind blowing. And it just goes to prove to you how impactful Pascal Gross can be all over the pitch. And it's absolutely wonderful. Um, So for me, Pascal Gross with two goals has to get a man of the match because he played, in my opinion, probably the best game we've ever seen Pascal Gross play. Um, and long may that continue going into Thursday, which gives me the most beautiful segue. <sighs> We're playing Manchester United again, guys, on Thursday. Hopefully we get a little bit of revenge. We're at one one hour 10, so we'll do this bit really quickly, guys, if we can. Um, just some really quick sort of score predictions. Um, Dagan, how do you see the game going? As thunder echoes in the background, I don't know if that came through with you guys. Uh, it's three to one to the Albion. I will take that. I will 100% say that. Dan, are you as confident as Dagan? I'm not sure I'll be very that confident, but um, I'll go for a one one draw. Ah, boo. boo. Get him off the podcast. No. Boo, yes, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Curtis, um, Mr. Positivity, how are Listen, you feeling? The seagulls have a taste for blood now. They, they they feasted on wolf meat, so they they are ready. To t- oh, I'll be quiet now. I'm sorry. I'm tired. But they're ready to uh, take down Man United. Listen, they're going to come into this with a lot of more vigor and a lot more fire. Um, they're going to want to prove a point, um, and Dzobi's going to want to prove a point um, because you know there were there were times during that Manchester United game that we were the better team, definitely. And I, I feel like he's going to want to really just stamp home that we, we can be. So um, I'm going to be Mr. Positive again, sure. I feel like it will be close, though, because Man United can't be slept on. They're a very, very good team. So I'm going to say a, a 8-1 victory. No, no, 2-1 victory to us. I, I feel like it will be it will be, a, it will be comfortable in the end, but 2-1, I believe. I hope. I hope you're right. Sony, do you share the positivity of both Dagan and... Curtis, because Dan's going with a boring one-all draw. Me, boo again, boo. Um, I'm gonna go two-one, two to us. Um, it kind of gives me flashbacks to the first game I've ever watched, so I feel like we can have a repeat of that again. I will take that 100. Um, now it comes to me. Am I feeling positive? Am I feeling like Dan? I'm gonna keep you on the fence. I'm feeling positive, guys. <laughs> I am. Um, the the six nil win at home. The the players are going to be wanting that revenge from Wembley, um, and we all know Roberto De Zerbi is the mentality king. So going into this game, I am feeling confident. I'm going to look stupid once we get beaten two nil, but I'm going to go with a Brighton three nil win. Um, more emphatic uh, goal scoring, 
and yeah we'll we'll be on our way uh to europe hopefully i've fully changed my tune from wednesday guys haven't i um so you know we're That's loving life growth growth <laughs> exactly exactly so that rounds off a very very eventful episode of the albion obsessed podcast we had six goals to talk about we had so many chances to talk about so many players to talk about and so many wonderful people to talk to again sony it was amazing to meet you yesterday and to share your first amex experience as we said dagan you are next we will get you here whether we have to come over and drag you we will get you here um so yeah i i, I can't wait to see uh what's what's going to happen in the future and you guys get to see them in the us as well in in pre-season so really really uh yeah can't wait for that so we'll round off the episode we'll see you very very soon and hopefully it's after a win against manchester united 